I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, things are about to get flipped upside down with the debut of Stranger Things 2. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I saw a geostorm this week and it blew me away, but not in the way that it was intended, I'm afraid. I'll tell you all about it. Plus, I finally got around to watching the new X-Men related show, The Gifted, and it's pretty cool. I'll tell you about that. First, it's the news from the couch. It's a lot of mumbo-jumbo. He's right, Higgins. You've gone too far. In the Burma campaign, a seance was quite successful in receiving important instructions from our departed colonel. But Thomas is gone. He's history. I think you'll find that it's not entirely accurate. Thomas? Thomas? That you? Yes, Magnum P.I. is long gone. The show ended in 1988 after eight amazing seasons of Tom Selleck solving crime in Hawaii with the help of his friends that we heard there, Higgins, Rick, and T.C. Frankly, it's actually the best of all the 80s cop shows, and it still holds up. Time to time, some channel, you know, will start showing reruns. I lap them up every time. It is a different style and pace of what we see now on TV, but the story still holds up, and Selleck as Magnum is just so much fun to hang with. Hi. Thursday, Magnum is hired by some schoolgirls to find their missing teacher. There is just no limit to their imaginations. And once again, Magnum is in over his head. I think I can explain this whole misunderstanding. No, you can't. Spend Christmas in Hawaii with Magnum. Thursday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. So, of course, Hollywood wants to ruin it all by rebooting the show. I guess this is on the backs of other successes like Hawaii Five-0 and... MacGyver? People watch that one? I guess so. All right. As it turns out, those shows share a producer, a man named Paul Lenkov, and he's the genius looking to resurrect Magnum P.I. Tonight, there will be fireworks in paradise. I demand an explanation. You just don't seem like you anymore. This is really quite stimulating. Magnum tonight. Tom Selleck won't be in the new show, but he has foolishly giving it, given it his blessing. The new Thomas Magnum, whoever he may end up being, will be a modern guy, and instead of a former Vietnam soldier, he'll be a former Afghanistan soldier setting up a private detective business in Hawaii. He'll have his buddies Rick and TC, but this time Higgins will be a woman instead of a man. Wednesday. These survivalist trips can get pretty tough. Higgins witnesses a murder. We can't leave Higgins here alive! And becomes hunted on Magnum. You're in big trouble. Shoot him! Most of these reboots are bad ideas. Uh, Hawaii Five-0 was fun for a little while, but I never really watched the original, so I had nothing to base it on. Magnum, though, really was all about Tom Selleck as that guy, so I don't think this new version will work at all. It may end up being a fine detective show, but it won't be Magnum. Action, adventure, romance, and the scenery isn't bad either. Join me every weekday for Magnum, only on Channel 5. What's the point, Ventura? Only this. Classic. Ah, <laughs> uh, speaking of reboots, that was Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, which is one of three movie properties that Morgan Creek Entertainment Group plans to reboot. Yes, that's right, a reboot of Ace Ventura. Oh, righty then. The first one came out in 1994 and was a big hit, launching Jim Carrey's superstardom. And of course, it triggered an immediate sequel the following year, Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. That's quite a wrap you're wearing. 
Perhaps I could get you some fluffy new slippers made from the heads of innocent and defenseless baby seals. There was also a cartoon series, a live-action TV movie called Ace Ventura Pet Detective Jr. That was in 2009. No word on who will play the new pet detective, but can anyone recreate this role? Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah! Can you feel that, buddy? Huh? 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 I have exercise the demons. <laughs> this house is clear. Losers? Get them out of here, losers! Let's go, Ace. Losers. Let me the God, I have not watched that movie in years, That's and I a good still list. remember that scene yeah. word for word. I find that I quote it without even thinking about it. I was like, what, where is that from? And I type it in, it's like, oh, it's from Ace Ventura. How mature of me. <laughs> the second franchise Morgan Creek is looking at rebooting is the baseball comedy Major League. Anything to add? Uh, no. He's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. The first Major League debuted in 1989, starring Charlie Sheen, Tom Berenger, Corbin Burnson, Dennis Haysbert, and Wesley Snipes. Hey, hey! Willie Mays Hayes here. Play like Mays, and I run like Hayes. Well, you may run like Mays, but you hit like sh There was a sequel in 1994, a threequel in 1998, and in 2009, 2010, there was talk of a Major League Four. But that never happened, so now it's a reboot. Post game show is brought to you by. I can't find it. The hell with it. And the third big movie franchise Morgan Creek wants to relaunch Young Guns. Emilio Estevez. I'm in. Deputize them. Keeper Sutherland. You look like trouble. Trouble? You think I look like trouble? I'm a poet. Makes me those are just boys. Ain't one of them over 21. Murphy's men will shred them in half within a day. Casey Shimashko. I'm a pugilist. Court adjourned. Dermot Mulroney. He ain't all there, is he? Lou Diamond Phillips. My vision told me we're headed for blood. Charlie Sheen. We got warrants for the law! The first Young Guns arrived in 1988, a western starring Emilio Estevez as a young Billy the Kid, co-starring, as you heard, Kiefer Sutherland, Lou Diamond Phillips, Charlie Sheen, Dermot Mulroney, and Casey Shamashko. A sequel came out in 1990, Young Guns 2. It is therefore considered by the court that William H. Bonney be hanged till he be dead, dead, dead. You can go to hell, hell, hell. <laughs> The first trailer for the last Daniel Day-Lewis film arrived this week. You can sew almost anything into the canvas of a coat. When I was a boy, I started to hide things in the linings of the garments. Things that only I knew were there. Secrets. Good morning. Will you have dinner with me? The movie is called Phantom Thread, and once again teams up Day-Lewis with writer-director Paul Thomas Anderson. They were pretty successful last time out with a movie called There Will Be Blood. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! 
Phantom Thread couldn't be more different, or is it the same? The trailer suggests both, sort of. It's different in its basic subject ma matter. There Will Be Blood was about an oil baron who hated everybody. Phantom Thread is about a dressmaker who falls in love. You look beautiful. Very beautiful. I have things I want to do. Things I simply cannot do without you. Reynolds has made my dreams come true. And I have given him what he desires most in return. <laughs> Every piece of me. Why are you not married? <laughs> On the other hand, Phantom Threat Guy may be just as creepy as Daniel Plainview was. May I warn you of something? My brother can feel cursed that love is doomed for him. I don't like the fabric. Maybe one day you'll change your taste. Maybe I like my own taste. Just enough to get you into trouble. Perhaps I'm looking for trouble. Stop! Yeah, go on lady, push his button, see what happens, because frankly, by the end of the trailer, it looks like he's pretty crazy. There is an air of quiet death in this house. You're not cursed, you're loved by me. Stop playing this game. What game? What precisely is the nature of my game? All your rules and your clothes and all this money and everything is a game. This was an ambush. Stop. Are you sent here to ruin my evening and possibly my entire life? Stop it! There's a growing menace to the trailer that creates a pretty uneasy feeling while you watch it. Probably not the best way to put butts in seats, but hey, neither Daniel Day-Lewis nor P.T. Anderson are in this for the money. They're always in it for the art, and they hit it out of the park with There Will Be Blood, so can't wait to see what this ends up like. As for whether it's really Daniel Day-Lewis's final film, we'll see. He usually puts a few years between movies anyways, so let's not rule anything out. People have a habit of changing their minds. Phantom Thread opens on Christmas Day. Whatever you do, do it carefully. The first teaser trailer has arrived for a film starring Helen Mirren and Jason Clarke. It's called Winchester, the house that ghosts built. It's a gargantuan seven-storied structure with no apparent rhyme or reason. Each maze of halls more confusing than the next. It's under never-ending construction. It is built on the orders of a grieving widow. The film's title first caught my eye because of the name Winchester, like the brothers Winchester from one of my favorite TV shows, Supernatural, a.k.a. Sam and Dean. But of course it's not about them. The film is inspired by true events. Set on a lonely chunk of land outside of San Francisco at the most haunted house in the world, now known as the Winchester Mystery House. It was built by the woman played by Mirren, Sarah Winchester, of the Winchester Rifle Company. Sarah Winchester is the majority shareholder of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. You want to take it away from her? We're worried about her sanity, Dr. Price. Do you believe in ghosts, Doctor? I do not believe in anything I cannot see or study. <laughs> Faked you out, Jeff. Yeah. You, <laughs> the sound effect that immediately followed in the trailer would have made you run away forever. Screaming and never come a blood-curling scream? It's a terrible... It's just... 
Awful. All it's right. really awful. I, I, it was so bad that I couldn't even do it to you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I, I had to take some mercy. Jason Clark, that was the voice of Jason Clark in there. He plays Dr. Eric Price, whom she, Sarah, has summoned to the house. Just Google Winchester Mystery House, by the way, and you will find the weirdest looking mansion you maybe have ever seen. Apparently it was built 24 hours a day, seven days a week for decades. It's gigantic, and to say the least, it's weird. It's got doorways to nowhere, dead-end hallways, and from the outside, it looks like, as the movie synopsis describes, a monstrous monument to a disturbed woman's madness. But she's not building it for herself, oh no. She's building a prison for hundreds of vengeful ghosts, and the most terrifying of them all have a score to settle with the Winchesters. The movie opens February 2nd, 2018. I can feel it. In the air. In the walls. This spirit has a power we've not seen before. It has found us. That is a noose in the couch. There was also a, a really chilling sound effect there that I yeah, I could I could hear them gearing up for it. <laughs> I might have to to break it out one day yet. Just uh, I might have to just watch this trailer by myself, like with a dis. You know what I mean? Like expecting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing. Well, no, that's not true. I'm just remembering the image that so goes a with red the band trailer. Effect. No, it's not, not red band. It's just scary. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to home video. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. I should just quickly add that that Winchester movie, by the way, that the movie, the house, the Winchester Mystery House was built uh, between the years of 1884 to 1922. Right, it looks see, like it takes should, place in the back end of that. They so. should tear it down. Yeah, well, now it's a tourist attraction, of course, so. Even still. Yeah, it looks uh, really neat. Okay, so let's talk about what is coming to uh, home video. Starting with uh, where do you want to go? Where do you want to begin, Jeff? Well, let's start with Wind River. Why would a teenage girl be out here? What's she running from? You're looking for clues, but you're missing all the signs. Shouldn't we wait for backup? This isn't the land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own. Luck don't live out here. Yeah. Starring uh, Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen that we heard there, as well as Graham Greene, Hugh Dillon from The Headstones, and uh, directed by Tyler Sheridan. He's the guy that wrote the movies Sicario and Hell or High Water, who's been nominated for Oscars for both of those, I believe. And uh, he's got another winner in Wind River. It's a murder mystery thing set in the frozen tundra of the mountains of, what, Montana? Is that where they were? Uh, Wyoming, I think. Wyoming, there you go. Yeah. Or, Another Frontier movie. Yeah, it was excellent. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think, what do we give it? Four couch cushions out of five? For sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so you should check that out. Also, so that's Digital HD. Yish. Um, DVD and Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. You can tell we're getting closer to Christmas. Yeah, complete series of Orphan Black now available. Uh, the great... Canadian television series, which was also fairly popular in the United States and around the world. Uh, right. Five seasons of that. Uh, complete series of? Sherlock. Now, are they done making Sherlock's? Is this the thing where you buy this and then, uh, oh, and then you get to add another box beside it someday? I don't remember them saying that Sherlock was finished. They have not. They have not put a period at the end of that sentence. They may never go back to it, but it's, yeah, it's not a 
done for sure. So it depends on if you're a completist of any sort, you might want to hold off until you find out for sure from the Cumberbund yeah. that he won't do it again. And uh, Planet Earth 1 and Planet Earth 2, a gift set together there. So there's three box sets that uh, Brett McGarry wouldn't mind finding underneath his Christmas tree. <laughs> he likes all of those things a lot. Planet Earth in particular, I wish... I wish that I had a, the, the like the Ultra 4K HD or whatever, because yeah. I know that's available in that, and that was you don't uh, spectacular. The, you don't have the equipment to watch that? No. Okay. I, would need, I would need to buy a new television and a new Blu-ray player. Yeah. And uh, Hey, I got Planet Earth 1 on regular DVDs, so. You poor thing. I know. And I'll never watch it again like that, because why would I? Might as well get it on uh, VHS. <laughs> Might as well just get someone to describe it to me. <laughs> okay, we got 30 seconds. All right, The else? Dark Tower is also on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, looking for Second Life. That's that movie that nobody went to see. Uh, on Netflix next week, November 1st, new month, new stuff. couple of notable movies. Logan for free on Netflix. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is always popular. And Young Frankenstein, which is a comedy I've been meaning to see and haven't been able to find it. It'll be on Netflix on Wednesday. And up next, we'll tell you about another major release on Netflix this weekend. Things are about to get strange. We'll tell you why. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. This weekend sees the highly anticipated release on Netflix of Stranger Things 2. Nothing's going to go back to the way that it was. Not really. I saw something. Stranger Things. I'm, I'm, I know that I have spoken against the show in the past, and I want to make it very clear. I still liked season one. Yeah, we just got bored in the middle. Yeah, uh, but I'm still excited for season two. When Same I watched here. that trailer with the, the way that they tweaked the Michael Jackson song Thriller, man, it was exciting. Exactly. I think there's also the thing, because now it's become more and more rare, and you get it with Game of Thrones, and you used to get it with The Walking Dead, but this is the thing where it's like, hey, it, we're all in on it, right? Like, yeah it's that popular that's it's the the it show or whatever and you don't get those as often as you used to just because everything's so fragmented there's so many shows yeah they, there really are too many shows you could have a conversation with 10 people and ask every person do you watch this show do you watch yeah. this show and chances are you all watch different things yeah everyone have their, their five favorite shows and no no repeats you know yeah and well, and 50 legitimately good shows true well and even with popular shows like a stranger things i, I bet you still I don't know what the you know the ratio would be, but I bet you less than half or fewer than half of yeah. you know the population has seen it, right? So, but it is a, certainly a big show. The first one was a legitimate phenomenon last summer. Sort of came out of nowhere. I didn't even hadn't even heard of it. You know, it it just appeared on Netflix and people start talking about it. Hey, yeah. did you watch the Stranger Things? <laughs> so uh, I, but I I did. By the way, if you have not seen or heard of Stranger Things. It is uh, set in the 1980s. It's from, what are the Duffer Brothers? Is that yep. their name? Uh, they are huge 80s nostalgia geeks, and this is a series that's very largely inspired by Steven Spielberg, by Stephen King, and it's set in this small town where these kids who uh, they... They basically, they find themselves uh, battling a, a, an, an evil entity, a creature from uh, another dimension, which they call the Upside Down. 
and it's pretty scary actually. It's I, I would not say this is a show for kids. It stars kids, but I don't think it's for kids. I think it's more for people who grew up in the eighties. But not so scary that it chases you know a Freddy cat like me away. I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. Was creeped out a couple times. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. Same here. There are yeah. some genuinely frightening. And Matthew scenes. Modine was like the evil uh, government guy working in some secret lab. So it's got all that kind of stuff in it. Yeah. So it's like the Goonies, uh, Stephen King's It, E.T. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. And this is the sequel. The the bulk of the reviews that I've read are good. I did read one. I mean, from a source that I typically go to for reviews, Entertainment Weekly described it as a bloated mess, which is what I I wouldn't say the season one was a bloated mess, but mm-hmm. I certainly think it was bloated. Uh, it was eight episodes. I still say it should be four. Season two is nine episodes. But then uh, you were very quickly quick to point out uh, one of your the guys you like the most, who is probably one of the most, if not the most respected television Yeah, Seppenwall said, Alan Seppenwall, he said, and he he won't lie at all, and he'll tell you straight up, and he said, you know, it's some of the same problems as bloating or whatever at, near the beginning, said, but it finishes really strong. Good, yeah. So, so I'm excited to watch Stranger Things. Paul Reiser's in it this season. That's right, and that's uh, an okay. homage, actually, to another 80s thing, uh, Aliens. He was uh, part of that film. That's right. So uh, they, that was good of them to go out and get him. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Paul Reiser do anything. I know. I was trying to think the last time I saw him, and it probably was. It can't have been mad about you. It feels like it was mad about you, but it can't have been. <laughs> he must have been. He must have played himself on an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. He must have done that, <laughs> at the very least. Well, you know, I'm sure we could find out if we just quickly look it up, but we don't. I don't uh, no, I don't it's really... fun to just wonder about it, you know? <laughs> and I don't really care enough. So I always like Paul Reiser. Stranger Things 2 out this weekend, and there's a very good chance that by this time next week, I will have watched the entire thing. That I'm mad because I was making some nice progress on cutting down on my on my PVR. I was down to just like three sitcoms, a few episodes, and I was like, this weekend I'll finish that off. I'll be fresh and clean by Sunday night. It'll, it'll feel so good, and now I'm going to be like nine hours behind because of Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that uh, golf season is over because I've been getting a lot of golf rounds in during the week, now I can hunker down, and I was sort of thinking the same thing too. Now I can tackle my PVR because I have – like 50 hours, of course. There's always at least 50 hours of TV that's banked, but I still need to. Stranger Things is out, and I've been getting harassed by some of my colleagues. Are you going to watch The Handmaid's Tale? Have to watch The Handmaid's Have Tale before watch the, the end of the Tale. year. So that is on my list. So I think it's going to be Stranger Things is the immediate priority, and then The Handmaid's Tale now that it's getting colder. I'm going to add it to my list right now. My list is long. It only gets longer. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Stranger Things. All right. So Stranger Things 2 is out this weekend on Netflix. We'll have a review for that next week, hopefully. Jeff, you've got a review of something else right yes. now. Yes. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Made $14 million on opening weekend. Terrible for a $120 million movie. Made a bit more overseas, but when you factor in the advertising costs and all that, the experts say this movie stands to lose $100 million. It is a stinker in every way, and it is glorious. I watched Geostorm. Thanks to a system of satellites, natural disasters have become a thing of the past. We can control our weather. There's potential for catastrophic weather events on a global scale. A geostorm. Starring Gerard Butler, Andy Garcia, a guy that looks like the grown-up version of the kid from E.T. but isn't, a random lady, a random German lady, and Ed Harris, even though I swear I did not see him in 
any of the advertising. I was shocked when he showed up, but I'm not surprised he doesn't want to be associated with this. It's directed by Dean Devlin. This is his first big directing gig. He's also the writer-producer of such similar-styled action flicks as the Independence Day movies and 1998's Godzilla, as well as all the various Universal Soldier and Stargate movies. But again, his first time directing a big major motion picture. And wow, this movie is everything you want in a bad movie. Ridiculous action. The laws of physics in space are broken on a regular basis. A lot of the CGI is good, at least in space. A lot of it's pretty bad on Earth. The story is illogical. The characters are the driest kind of paint-by-numbers. And the science is fiction. The basic story is this, Brett. Global warming has wreaked havoc with the planet. Genius scientists, led by Butler invent a satellite network in low orbit that can control the weather. It's controlled in space by a giant space station. There are politics at play involving the White House. That's where Butler's brother works. Both Butler and the British actor playing his brother are meant to be American. Butler uses at least three distinct accents in this movie. Uh, He mumbles a lot. He, the actor, may have been drunk the whole time. I don't know. I'd hate to cast aspersions like that, but it's got to be a possibility. The weather controlling satellite system starts glitching and killing people on Earth with crazy weather. They send Butler up to fix it. It may not be a glitch, though. It may be sabotage. And then there is the threat of a geostorm, which means crazy storms start piling on top of each other until the whole world is just one big giant storm or something. They explained it twice, and I still don't really get it. Uh, The movie does not start great. It's actually pretty boring at the beginning because there is just so much exposition. The exposition does continue all the way through the movie, but it is especially leaden at the beginning. It's also pointless. They drift through all the ridiculous science of everything in every scene, and then at the end they just simplify it, because it's like two minutes of yada, 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 jargon, 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 and then they go, and that's why we have to get from here to there. And they do stuff like that over and over again, just so you can follow along. But after a while, there was less exposition, although there was always some in every single scene, and it did get more action-y, And then it got more fun as it did that. Every twist, though, is telegraphed. My general rule, I've said it before, is that if I can see something coming, the movie has failed. And that's not me being, you know, hard on the film. I'm just dumb when I watch movies. I'm susceptible to whatever they want to throw at me. I'm an easy mark. I never see things coming that everyone else sees. So if I can see it, then it's guaranteed everyone else saw it, too. Uh, And I was popping off stuff all through this movie. It was easy. In the opening 10 minutes, I I called something that was revealed near the end and was supposed to blow our minds. Uh, A lot of it was really fun to call in advance because it was so hilariously ham-fisted. The bad guy's plan in this movie... Does just doesn't work. It makes no sense. I will not give anything away because it is supposed to be one of the twists, but there is a major flaw in the plan that would prevent this movie from even happening. So I, I, I don't understand how a movie can get made when there's something that dumb in it. Anyways, uh, I've been on record before too as I don't like Gerard Butler, but he easily gives the best performance in this movie. He's terrible from the weird accents and his general blandness and his inability to land like a joke line, a clever line. Uh, It's just brutal. But he does have this charming screen presence as well, so I guess that's what carried him through. Everyone else just chews so much scenery that, you know, frankly, they were a bigger threat to destroying the Earth than the impending geostorm. Uh, (laughs) Every day they must have had to rebuild the sets from the the brother guy just chewing it down. Um, He seemed to be adding a bit of a lisp and he was super twitchy for reasons I don't understand. He was also very intense 
all the time, even in the lighter moments, because I, th- I think he's just he's just trying so hard to be a serious actor or something. Ed Harris seemed to, you know, sort of get what kind of movie he was in, which sort of made it kind of sad because Ed Harris is a good actor. And then there's Andy Garcia as a president, and I think he maybe thought he was actually the president of the United States. He definitely thought he was in a much more serious movie than he was in. It's a bizarre performance, and he looks in this movie like Michael Scott from The Office playing president. And I couldn't stop laughing every time he said it. I was just imagining uh, Steve Carell as Michael Scott, as Andy Garcia, as the president. And he's also, he's huskier in both body and voice than I'm used to seeing from Andy Garcia. It's weird. Uh, and, and it's just a thankless role, this president role. He's barely in the movie. They cast a brand name actor in an effort to sort of make you care about him when you need to, but it didn't work. But I mean, hey, who cares? We only bought our tickets to see some sweet IMAX size sick 3D destruction, right? Well, I got bad news about that too. A lot of Buildings do get destroyed, but it's just so bland to look at. It's nothing you haven't seen before. It's not as photorealistic as it needs to be at you know this stage of the game, 2017. And what you know, when a city's flooded like 30 stories high with the water, and then it just stops, the water doesn't just drain away like that, which it does in this movie. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I will give it the special effects that were convincing was the stuff that took place in space. That actually all looked pretty good. It didn't make any sense what was happening up there, but it looked good. Overall, the whole movie doesn't make much sense, but I did. I had a blast watching it. My buddy and I laughed for t- uh, uh, just under two hours. It's less than two hours long, which is nice. Oh. Uh, but uh, overall, of course, it is a terrible movie. Only go see it if you're into watching things that are so bad they're good. One and a half couch cushions out of five for the Geostorm. <laughs> right on, man. Thanks for that review. Yeah. Up next, I'm going to tell you about a new show from Fox. It's called The Gifted, and it's pretty cool. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. I haven't really been excited about a whole lot of new stuff this weekend, the new fall slate of TV shows. Jeff, I can't even remember... Have you watched anything? You watched anything new? Yeah. Uh, me, myself, and I—the one with boy Bobby Moynihan and uh, Dan Fielding from yep. the court—that's actually pretty good. And one of the kids from <laughs> It, as it turns out. Okay. First first episode I saw, hadn't seen it yet. It's just some kid. Next week after I saw it, it's like, hey, it's that kid from It. Really? Yeah. Which one? The the one that was uh, injury prone with the creepy mom. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So oh, they so they probably shot the movie before the TV show. And yeah, he, he's grown up a little bit in the TV yeah. show. Okay, so that one's got that's a good. It's a pretty good sitcom. Also, Urkel's in that one, and I like him. Yep, uh, I think I think that's it. Well, I finally got around to watching a new fall show, and I really dig it. It airs on Fox and CTV, and is called The Gifted. You never know. You're a mutant. What is that? Until it happens the first time. I need to find my brother! On this day, everything changes. Forever. Two mutant kids from Dallas almost took down a high school gym. Feds are coming in. If it wasn't too hot before, it sure as hell is now. So you heard the word mutant in there. This is indeed a comic book show, but hold on. Just... Hold on. Yes, it's from Marvel Comics. Yes, it is set in the world of the X-Men. We can't take this risk, all right? Then when do we fight? The X-Men, the Brotherhood, we don't even know if they exist anymore. Or we're getting picked off one by one. 
But this is not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is not linked, at least directly, to the X-Men movies. This is a standalone series, much like the FX show Legion. And I would describe uh, The Gifted as a superhero show that's not really a superhero show, much like Legion. What I mean by that is, yeah, the main characters have superpowers. Yeah, there are some notable characters from the comic books, like Thunderbird, who is an Apache with a heightened ability for tracking, and he's also super strong and basically indestructible, so he's pretty cool. There's Polaris, who is a woman with abilities like one of the main characters from the movies, Magneto, i.e. she can manipulate magnetism, allowing her to control metal. There's Blink, her character actually appeared in X-Men Days of Future Past. She can open up portals, which would be really handy for traveling purposes, and you don't have to worry about standing in line for security. And then there are all sorts of other characters that I don't think appear in the comics, but I'm not really sure. One of the main guys, for example, his name is Eclipse. He bleeds light. That's not a figure of speech either. He literally bleeds light. When he gets shot in the arm, this beam of light sprays out. He can shoot this light out of his hands like heat rays, so that's pretty handy. These mutants are all part of something called the Mutant Underground. It's a group that's just trying to survive and rescue other mutants from persecution because this is a world where mutants have very few rights after some sort of mystery incident that they just simply call July 15th, which involved a brawl between good and bad mutants and left a lot of innocent people dead. There's a heavy hitter federal organization called Sentinel Services, which is a nice nod to the comics, which had these big bad robots called Sentinels, which hunted the X-Men. So Sentinel Services likes to round up the mutants and take them away to God knows where. And there's all that, and then we meet this family whose patriarch, played by Bill from True Blood, he's a prosecutor, specifically a guy who prosecutes mutants who get out of line. His life gets complicated when his son learns he's a mutant and nearly destroys his high school, and turns out his daughter is a mutant too. She can manipulate the air around her to form a shield or use it as a weapon. So that's also kind of handy. They end up going on the run, eventually joining up with the mutant underground, and this should feel like we've seen it before. It's the recurring theme in any story we've seen on film or TV about X-Men. The mutants are frowned upon by the rest of the world. They often end up hiding from those who seek to hurt them. But it just somehow feels fresh. I really like it. Great cast, great visual effects. Check it out. It's on Monday nights on Fox and CTV. Four episodes in, you can catch up on demand if your cable provider has it. I'm on Shaw, and it is there. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to our podcast, iTunes, Google, play. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.